0: Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Denver Broncos. This is the Broncos Wire Podcast, powered by USA Today Sports.
1: Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Broncos Wire editor, John Heath. Hi, I'm Steve Fortstein. Sitting in for Ryan O'Leary this week, and we appreciate uh, all the folks at USA Today's sports media group for allowing me to sit in the captain's chair for a number of these interviews. We are joined this afternoon, just a few hours removed now from the Broncos' tough loss last night on Thursday Night Football. We're joined by John Heath. He's the managing editor of BroncosWire.com. John, thanks for spending some time with us today.
2: Yeah, happy to do it. Thank you for being willing to step in for Ryan.
1: Oh, happy to do it. And um, hopefully uh, he and his family are doing well. Uh, It's obviously what is a very uh, busy time for them right now. So uh, very thankful for the opportunity and thank you for spending some time with us. Obviously, uh, the words tough loss uh, are pretty self-explanatory, I guess, for what happened last night, falling to Cleveland 17 to 14. The Broncos rather pedestrian offense make the made the game look a little closer, I guess, with that late touchdown in the fourth quarter. But this was. Nothing more than a pretty putrid effort last night. There's a number of important storylines coming out of the game, but let's start with some of your takeaways on the Broncos' overall performance.
2: Yeah, it was it was so disappointing because the Browns, they don't have their starting quarterback. They don't have both of their top two running backs who are really good running backs. They don't have one of their good offensive tackles. And then with their third-string running back, they run it right down the Broncos' throat. And the Broncos, they do have a little bit of an excuse for getting run on because both their starting inside linebackers, Josie Jewell and Alexander Johnson, both of them are are on injured reserve with peck injuries. So you you can understand that your backup linebackers, they're gonna get run on a little bit. But even still, like with Vic Fangio being a defensive guru, a defensive coordinator for so many years, I would hope that his scheme could help make up for that a little bit because this week it was the run the three losses before this game it was through the air teams had like 47 48 and 50 yard touchdown passes against them in their last three games and in the secondary there's no injuries in the secondary like there is that linebacker like you got Justin Simmons Kareem Jackson uh, you got Ronald Darby Pat Sertan Bryce Callahan all those defensive backs they're all healthy there's no problems with them and the pass game, the this coverage just wasn't good enough. And then on Thursday, the run game just wasn't good enough. And I know the players have to They're the ones on the field. The players have to perform. But at some point, I just think the scheme's got to count for something. It's got to fall on the coaches at some time, especially because when we see see things like a couple times this season, Von Miller will be out like in the slot, lined up on like a slot receiver, and the receiver will go across the field, and there's no way Von Miller is going to stick with him doing that. Like Von Miller is a pass rusher or at least like an edge defender. Like he's also good against the run but he's not going to stick with a talented receiver across the middle of the field in coverage. That, to me, is just like, put your players in the best position to make plays, and I just, for being a defensive guy, I just don't see Fangio doing that on defense, and that's surprising. Like, the offense, from Fangio's perspective, it's whatever to me because he's a defensive guy. The offense is, that falls on the offensive coordinator, but I would expect him to have the defense in order, and it just hasn't been the last few games.
1: And we'll get into the Von Miller story and his injury going forward. We'll get into that a little bit later on here. The Broncos are now, as you mentioned, lost four in a row after a 3-0 and start that, to some, had Broncos fans thinking bigger than what reality has now come back to offer. And now the uh, the 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 dark shroud that hangs around this team seems to be getting a little thicker. There's been a lot of chatter. Maybe some of it is nothing more than chatter, but about the future of head coach Vic Fangio as well as offensive coordinator Pat Shermer, what takeaways did you come away with following last night's game?
2: Yeah, I, I really think uh, Fangio should be on the hot seat because I was just ranting there about the defense. Like, if If not even the defense can be under control and he's a defensive guy, I think he's got to be on the hot seat. But it's a tricky situation because – the Broncos they might be sold in the spring. They might have new ownership. So I don't know if is George Payton going to fire Vic Fangio like in this season and then after the season ends hire a new head coach and then the team get a new owner and the new owner just come into town. I I guess that would work. It wouldn't be the end of the world, but it's just it's kind of a weird dynamic. I don't know if Fangio maybe will even get another year beyond this to give him a chance under new ownership. It, but that's reaching far out. So I don't have to go down that far down the road. At this very moment, I definitely think he should be on the hot seat. And Pat Shermer, I think Shermer should just be fired because they have their quarterback's coach, Mike Shula. He's a former offensive coordinator. He has experience calling plays. They have an in-house candidate, somebody who could take over right now. And sure, Shula might not be better. Sorry about that. It's okay. Can can I break one second to calm down the dogs?
1: Yeah, sure, sure, sure. We're talking to John Heath. He's the managing editor of Broncos Wire, one of the many websites under the umbrella of USA Today's sports media group. He's joining us here uh, just a few hours removed from the Broncos Thursday night loss to the Cleveland Browns. John's back with us now. Let's get back to the Pat Shermer conversation and sort of uh, sort of wrap up your thoughts on that.
2: Yeah. So sorry about that. I just think Shula, he may not be an upgrade, but I can't see him being any worse because the Broncos offense, it's been so bad going back to last year with Shermer and now their second year with Shermer. It really hasn't been that good. And to me, the biggest example of it is the run game on Thursday night, uh, Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. They had 12 combined carries and in the three losses before that they were both getting like around 10 carries a game. And I didn't like when they were getting 10 carries each a game. I didn't think it was enough. And then on Thursday, they get 12 combined. And to me, they're averaging four and a half yards a carry each. And that's, that's a really good average. Like if you get four and a half yards to play, you never have to punt. And obviously, like that's an average, so they're gonna get some one-yard runs. They're gonna get stuffed a couple times, but I think just over time, when your run game, when your backs are that productive, run the ball more. Like people will say, well, the Broncos are been falling behind and they have to throw to catch up. But when you're down by two touchdowns in the third quarter, there's still plenty of time to run the ball because if you score a touchdown and make it a touchdown game, you have the whole fourth quarter plus time in the third quarter to try to get another score. So I just think. They're abandoning the run too soon. I think Shermer's not just like Fangio on the defensive side. I think he's not getting the best out of what he has. Uh,
1: your phone line's breaking up there just a little bit, so I apologize for the <clears throat> apologize a little bit for the uh, the phone line um, breaking up there a little bit. Uh, John Heath joining us here on the Broncos Wire podcast. John, real quick, let's uh, get back to the Vaughn Miller discussion. And obviously you mentioned him a moment ago, sort of not being used the right way, not being utilized the right way. Talk a little bit about Vaughn Miller. He was taken out of the game in the second quarter with an ankle injury. MRI was scheduled for today. Coach Fangio thinks that perhaps Vaughn Miller could have toughed it out had Miller decided to come back into the game Thursday night. Give us an update on Vaughn Miller and his injury status.
2: Yeah, when it happened, it looked like it could have been pretty bad. It looked, And it was the same ankle that forced him to miss all of last season when he, he hurt his ankle last year. So in the moment, it was pretty concerning. Like, oh, no, is this going to hold him out for a while? But it sounds like it's kind of the best-case scenario. He only sprained it. And uh, he's saying that he'll be back against Washington in week eight. That's next Sunday. I don't know if Vaughn's maybe being a little optimistic, but if he's accurate, and even Fangio sounded like, He thought it might be a possibility. So even if Miller has to miss a game or so, that's way better than the worst case scenario of multiple weeks or even a season ending injury. So overall, it sounds like good news for Miller there.
1: Talking to John Heath, managing editor of Broncos Wire, one of the many websites under the umbrella of USA Today's sports media group. Obviously, another one of the storylines coming out of last night's game is going to be Teddy Bridgewater. And for a lot, you know, his story this season has been pretty courageous. He started all seven games for the Broncos. After winning the preseason competition with Drew Locke, he's dealt with the concussion, uh, the myriad injuries he's had throughout the first part of the season. And after a lackluster first half, I thought, here we go again. We're going to hear the Drew Locke conversation. Uh, He did get the team within a field goal uh, late in the game. But at what point does that discussion about Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke get a little bit louder?
2: Yeah, I think for fans, it's loud right now. I think fans are already ready to make the switch, but I think Fangio is going to be pretty stubborn. I think they'd have to lose another game, maybe another handful of games. I don't think Fangio will make a switch unless he believes that the season is kind of lost. And I don't think he would ever say that he believes the season is lost. But just in-house, when they're 4-3, and or 3-4, and excuse me, like, To me, and anybody that's being objective, we think that their season is probably, at this point, probably over. They're probably not going to be able to turn this around because they have uh, five tough division games. They have to play the Cowboys on the road. like It's going to be so hard to get into a wild-card spot in the AFC, but technically— at three at four, three and four mathematically, technically, like they still have a chance to get into the playoffs. So with that being the case, I don't think they're going to turn the turn the offense over to drew lock. Cause I think if it comes down to turning over to drew lock, I think what you're saying is, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, he's our guy. He's who we have the best chance to win with, but he's not necessarily like a long-term solution. So if the season is is out the window anyway, we'll turn to drew lock. Who's a young guy. And we didn't, we don't necessarily think he's a future obviously because we picked Bridgewater over him, but he's, you know, a couple years younger than Bridgewater. He's got a stronger arm than Bridgewater. So there's a chance, even if it's a small chance, there's a chance that lock, he might be your long-term guy. And if they're going to move on from him this off season, if they want to trade him and like go uh, make a trade, do something like an Aaron Rodgers or get someone in the draft, if they're moving on from Locke, I think it would make sense to get a bigger look at him, a larger sample size, and let him play, you know, like seven, eight games a season, just to be sure. Because you don't want to give up on him too early and then him go somewhere else and have some success. And Broncos fans always second-guess that and say, oh, well, we gave up on Locke too early. So I think it would be nice to give him a shot. And I I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Broncos season continues trending like it is. I think Locke will get a shot but I think they're going to drag it out because he's not the starter. They don't, they feel Bridgewater gives them the best chance to win. So unless and or until I guess the season, it looks like it's kind of in the, in the tank. I think they're going to be
1: sticking with Bridgewater for basically as long as they can. John, he's, at managing editor broncoswire.com let's pause real quick and when we come back we'll take a look around the rest of the afc west we'll look ahead uh, to the broncos next few games including three in a row against the nfc east and maybe we find something good that came out of last night's game we'll do all of that in just a moment you're listening to the broncos wire podcast
0: this is the typical sportsbook fantasy minute let's make this interesting interesting
3: Welcome to week number 7, I'm Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com, here to bring you strong plays as we navigate six teams on bye. Quarterback Matt Ryan and Falcons at Miami Dolphins. Coming off of a bye week of his own, Ryan gets wide receiver Calvin Ridley back in the lineup, and it looks like wideout Russell Gage has a chance to return as well. The entire offense seems to be coming around to Arthur Smith's system, and the last time we saw Ryan, he was dropping dimes to rookie tight end Kyle Pitts. Miami has allowed 12 passing touchdowns, picking off only two passes since week one, and three teams have given up more fantasy points to the position in this time. Each one of those teams has allowed at least two rushing scores to inflate the matchup data. With injury concerns at both of the starting cornerback positions, Miami may have a hard time keeping Ryan under wraps. Running back J.D. McKissick, Washington football team at Green Bay Packers. McKissick's Three strong games this year have come against the Giants, the Falcons, and the Chiefs. All terrible defenses. The Chargers, Bills, and Saints shut him down. Green Bay is somewhere in the middle right now, largely due to injuries. Green Bay's offense can hang points with the best of them, and Washington hasn't been able to stop a receiver for anything this season. Furthermore, it's unclear if running back Antonio Gibson will be able to play through his continued shin injury after exiting the lineup multiple times last week. His absence would mean more work for McKissick. Detroit Lions wide receiver Amon Ross St. Brown at Los Angeles Rams. LA's defense of wide receivers isn't nearly as strong as it may seem, at least from a fantasy perspective in PPR. Some of that's by design. In the last five weeks, only Tennessee has given up more catches to the position. Washington has allowed one fewer reception but seven more touchdowns in that time. The Rams are playing extremely well with a version of bend but don't break defense. They'll happily give up a lot of short area passing volume to prevent the long ball, as evidenced by a dozen players over six games having five or more receptions against this unit in 2021. In a revenge game for Matthew Stafford, Detroit will be forced to throw like crazy to have a chance. Not that the actually have a chance. St. Brown should be heavily targeted. Get him in all PPR lineups, especially with so many teams on a bye. Arizona Cardinals tight end, Zach Ertz, versus the Houston Texans. Still feels weird to say, doesn't it? He posted four catches, 29 yards, and a touchdown in Week 6 Thursday night game before being traded the next day. This week, Houston comes to visit and brings its feeble defense of tight ends. The position has averaged 5.6 receptions, 67 yards, and a touchdown every 7.3 catches. All of these are top nine figures working in Ertz's favor. Additionally, Houston has been Surprisingly good against wide receivers, which would mean Kyler Murray is frequently looking toward his new tight end. For more fantasy football tips and advice, please check out our award winning content at The Huddle.
0: in Colorado. This is the Typical Sportsbook Minute. Let's make this interesting.
2: What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bet Slipping Podcast presented by SportsbookWire.com. I'm here with my homie, Nathan Beagle, to help break down this week's Sunday Night Football game with the Indianapolis Colts visiting the San Francisco 49ers. Our friends at Typico Sportsbook have the 49ers favored 4.5 with the total sitting at 43.5. I like the Indianapolis Colts to cover this number because they're 4-2 and two against the spread so far this year. Their offense is trending up with T.Y. Hilton coming back and Wentz getting settled into his new scheme. Also, the 49ers are 5-13-1 against the spread at home since Kyle Shanahan became head coach in 2017. Nate. How are you betting your money in this game? I like San Francisco in this game, especially with them having the seventh best pass defense in the NFL and Jimmy G returning. Jimmy G has only lost two games this season and they were to Green Bay and Seattle having beaten Philadelphia and Detroit, both by
0: more than four points. I'm rolling with the home dog coming off a bye week. That was your typical sportsbook minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com/podcast. That's slash podcast See tipico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado.
1: All right. And we're back with John Heath, managing editor of BroncosWire.com, one of the many websites under the umbrella of USA Today's sports media group. I'm Steve Bortstein sitting in again for Ryan O'Leary. All right. So all the negatives out of the way. Could you find a positive uh, that you took out of last night's game, the 17 to 14 loss to Cleveland?
2: Yeah, Jonathan Cooper, he's a rookie, uh, a seventh-round pick out of Ohio State. He's an a outside linebacker, and when Miller went down, they already didn't have Bradley Chubb going into the game, so they're without both of their starting outside linebackers, just like they were without their two inside linebackers. And Jonathan Cooper, he came in playing across from Malik Reed, and Reed was filling in for Chubb. And Cooper, he had like three uh, quarterback hits. He had a quarterback pressure. He he came so close to having a sack, and obviously it would have been much better if he did get a sack, but just he he uh, gave a lift to the defense. He made an impact. Honestly, he's not Von Miller, so they're not going to give him the attention that they give to Miller. So you would think he would uh, be more productive, but he honestly, he had a little bit more of an impact, at least as a pass rusher, than Miller did. And again, he's not getting chipped and double-teamed like Miller would, but even still, when you have someone that's a seventh-round pick come in and perform well like that that's really nice to see and in worst case scenario like even if he's just a future backup if you can have a backup come in and get three uh quarterback hits just as a rotational guy like that's really nice depth to have so there's there's guys like that like your jonathan uh cooper your pat sertane your rookie cornerback he made a couple of nice plays again the broncos have young pieces and like jerry judy he didn't play last night but there's a pretty decent chance that he'll be back on the field next year so even if This season uh, is kind of a lost season, and if maybe some of the Broncos order guys are on their way out, like if Von Miller, he's about to become a free agent, maybe they don't bring Von Miller back. Melvin Gordon, he's about to become a free agent. Maybe they lose Melvin Gordon. The Broncos, they may be about to kind of blow things up a little bit, but they have... A young core of guys, you, get, you got your Jerry Judys, you got your Noah fans, you got your and Suttons. Jonathan Cooper, at least as a rotational guy, Pat Sertan for, you know, for the next decade, he could be a lockdown corner. So there are some bright spots. It's just, honestly, I think it might come down to getting a coach that puts it all together. And I'm not convinced that may not be Fangio for them.
1: Talking to John Heath, BroncosWire.com. Appreciate his time very much uh, this afternoon. Looking around the rest of the AFC West for a moment, some games of interest for teams in that division. Uh, The Chiefs go on the road to face Tennessee this weekend. The Raiders welcome the Eagles. The Chargers, after that terrible loss last weekend of the Ravens, are on a bye this week. Give me your take on the rest of the AFC West as we enter Week 7.
2: Yeah, I think the Chiefs, their record is not great, but I think they're still the Chiefs. I think they're going to be right there at the end. I think they're going to be competing for the division. I think they're obviously going to be competing for the playoffs. I think uh, it was funny when the Broncos started the season and were above them in the standings, but it's kind of been a reality check for the Broncos now with four straight losses. Like, it's looking like the Broncos are headed toward another last place finish in the division. I think the chiefs are fine. The chargers with Justin Herbert, I think for a long time are going to be problems for the Broncos. I honestly think the team, the Broncos might be closest to in the division right now is the Raiders. And we just saw like just two games ago, the Raiders beat up the Broncos in Denver. So it's not like they're even close to the Raiders. So to me, Denver kind of seems like the bottom dweller in the AFC West right now. And that's, Clearly not ideal. But like I mentioned, they have some young pieces. They have a core group. They can get things back on track. But for at least this season, it's not looking good in the AFC West for them.
1: Last thing before we let you go, the good news, I guess, coming out of the game, maybe for Vaughn Miller and his status going forward uh, against Washington, will be that they have an extra couple of days off before that uh, Week 8 matchup coming up next week. You got Then you got two more games against NFC East teams, including a road trip to Dallas, that I know a lot of Broncos and Cowboys fans have kind of circled on their calendar. The bye week doesn't come up until later in November. Where do you think the team is at that point? in the season let's tell you you know get digging into your crystal ball a little bit you, know, you look into mid late november where do you think this team is at that point
2: i i can't imagine them getting things turned around that much it, they might be around 500 but i would not be surprised at all if they're below 500 and if they're going into their bye again and they're not playing any better and the defense is still underperforming going into the bye week to me That would be a time if you're going to move on from your coach in the season. I don't know if they would. But if they're willing to move on to the coach from the season, even with ownership uncertainty and all that uncertainty going on, I think the bye week might be a good time to do it. And to me, Mike Moonchuck, their offensive line coach, he has head coach experience. He has plenty of experience in the NFL. Like Just like I think with Mike Shula, he could take over for Pat Shermer. I think the Broncos have an in-house candidate. Who could be a fine interim coach if they do move on from Fancho. So I, I'm not trying to be super pessimistic. I'm just trying to be realistic. I don't see it getting a lot better from them. And we might see some changes happening in the buy unless they turn it around here in the next few weeks.
1: John Heath, managing editor, Broncos Wire, one of the many websites under the umbrella of USA Today's sports media group. John, uh, tell our listeners uh, where they can find, obviously, more of your work at Broncos Wire and uh, what's coming up the next couple of days and certainly how they can get uh, in contact with you through social media.
2: Yeah, on Twitter, you can find me on by John Heath and you can look at Broncos Wire is at the Broncos Wire on Twitter and obviously broncoswire.com is the website. We'll have all the updates on the injuries and any potential coaching changes, if there is any, and all the quarterback chat, it will be on broncoswire.com in the coming days.
1: John, uh, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Appreciate it very much. Have a great rest of your weekend, and we'll uh, we'll catch up soon. Thanks, Steve. You too. Thank you, sir. That's going to do it. Perfect. Thank you, John.